0: I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. Right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, we're going to talk about even more schools that have had UFO experiences. Don't know what I mean by more schools? Well, then you have an episode to listen to, the last episode. Well, you don't actually have to listen to it, but it'd be nice if you did. And since this is a part two episode, it'll help you out. But before we get into that, first up, we have shoutouts. Now I have a special shout-out to Lauren McCune. Lauren, this is your special shout-out. We have other shout-outs. We have Lily Venable, Keith, Lauren, McCune, Autumn, Nanashi, Shani, Vanessa, Troy, Veronica. Did I mention Lauren McCune? Amber, Nick, Manning, Jeff, Megan, Kat, Martin, Lash, Kira, Maggie. Hi, Maggie. And hi, Lauren, McCune. Laura O, Anthony, Jamie, Todd, and Elijah Hendrickson, Dan, Angie, Matt, Laura, Chuck, Travis, Sarah, David, Michaela, Heidi, Rachel, Lindsay, Juliana, Edgar, Sarah, J-Mark, Sarah, J-Mark, Carolyn, Jim, Jade, Carolyn, Pablo, Laura, Jeff, Dill, Laura, Daniel, Laura, and of course, Lauren McCune. In case you didn't catch on, I completely missed a shout out to Lauren McCune the last couple episodes. Because of that, and because I'm the worst, I want to do some special shout outs. One of my patrons, one of the awesome people that is supporting the show over at Patreon.com paranormalalmanac Paranormal Almanac. Seriously, thank you, Lauren, so much, and I'm so sorry that I skipped over you on the last episode. Alrighty, with that out of the way, me being the worst, that is, out of the way, let's move on to Paranormal News. The first story in Paranormal News, 160 UFO sightings reported in Washington State last year alone. That's right, some 160 UFO sightings were reported in Washington state last year, about one every 55 hours on average, according to the National UFO Reporting Center. This center, based in Davenport, Washington, receives UFO reports from all around the world, but says it makes no claims as to the validity of the information in any of these reports. Obvious hoax have been omitted, however, but most, but most reports have been posted exactly as received in the author's own words. We hope that this information will prove to be useful to the general public and the UFO community at large. The Center reports that Washington State has the third highest number of total sightings in its database, behind California at number one and Florida, not surprisingly, at number two. The reports from the Evergreen State are diverse. Many describe triangular or cigar-shaped objects, spheres, lights, discs, fireballs, and even formations of multiple objects. It goes on to say that the reports come from all over the state at all times of the day and night, and some sightings last for only two or three seconds, while others continued for several minutes or, in rare cases, an hour or more. This news article also has a couple of examples as well, so I'm just going to read a couple of them real quick. October 24th sighting by a former pilot in University Place. Object was spherical in shape and emitted a brilliant, extremely coherent orange glow. The object made zero noise. As it approached my direction, it just skimmed the bottom of the cloud layers, moving through cloud material and lighting it up with the same orange glow it was emitting. It sped up and slowed down erratically and quickly, moving very much like a living creature would as opposed to a human aircraft or a drone would. It was quite strange. This next sighting was in December 7th in... Issaquah, probably Issaquah, I-S-S-A-Q-U-A-H. I was at a gas station taking my dogs for a walk. At approximately 1820, I saw a starfish-shaped object floating and changing shape. It was covered in small, bright, red-colored lights, floating quickly. It was visible for 11 seconds and quickly disappeared. It made no noise. This next one comes from a passenger in a Boeing 737 near Mount St. Helen on June 24th. Altitude, 23,000 feet. Heading, 295 degree MAG, MAG. Craft descended out of the clouds off left wing tip. Closed to five miles out or so. Held formation for approximately 30 to 45 seconds, then ascended at almost nose up 45 degrees into the clouds in what seemed instantly. Time, 8.15 Seattle time. Just east of Volcano on Horizon. The report notes that the witness is a pilot and an experienced aircraft mechanic of, quote, unimpeachable integrity. So I'm going to post this news story because there's actually a couple of more. There's actually a couple more eyewitness stories in this news story. So I'm going to post it to the Facebook page so you guys can just read them yourself. You don't need me to read them to you. Hopefully you don't need me to read them to you. And if you do need me to read them to you, please just private message me on Facebook and I'll read them to you there. This next story is very similar and still staying on topic with tonight's episode. More than 100 UFO sightings reported in New York last year. So from Washington to New York on this one. Now this one again is according to the National UFO Reporting Center, and it says whether or not you believe these reports, the New York State UFOs are worth a look. In all, there were 103 UFO reports from the state in 2018. Many mention triangular-shaped objects or groups of objects, blinking lights, hovering craft, and saucer-shaped or cigar-shaped craft, because it's from the same report, not surprisingly. The majority of the sightings happened after dark, but one student spotted an object while taking a test on the morning of April 17th in Burnt Hills. The student says, I was sitting in class and looked out my class window and noticed a small egg-shaped object made of metal. It was floating above my school, but since I was taking a test, I didn't point it out. Hey kid, next time, point it out. Point it out to everybody. If you really see a metallic egg-shaped object floating over your school, report it. Another report is a sighting from Route 88 near Richmondville in Skohari County in July. And it mentioned a semi-truck with trooper and military escort. On the flatbed was a craft that resembled a somewhat flattened bullet with the back end flatter and three or four round things inside the back end for possible propulsion or exhaust function. No windows, no wings. The center noted, Nice illustration provided by witness. We suspect that the object was probably some sort of military platform. Yeah, it's probably a military drone. This next one says, Please keep me anonymous, we just want to know if we are safe. My son and sister witnessed a creature at 3.20 in the morning while letting my dog out. They came in running and screaming. They said the thing was 7 to 8 feet tall, gray, green, elongated head, no genitals, and when they startled it, it ran at an impossible speed, covering over 150 in 2 seconds and was out of sight. I'm assuming feet, but who knows. And this article ends with a 2017 study by Chapman University in California, And it found that 35% of Americans believe that aliens have come to Earth in the past, in the ancient past. 23% believes aliens are still visiting in modern times. So two articles back to back, both from probably the same report, but from drastically different parts of the country with some really great eyewitness reports. Now I read all of the eyewitness reports on this one. So if you want to find it, it's in the Times Union and it's uh, about the New York More than 100 UFO sightings reported in New York. Okay, next up in paranormal news, Harry Reid is pushing for more UFO research. A former Senate majority leader, Harry Reid, is lobbying his former colleagues to do more studies on unidentified flying objects. He says, I personally don't know if there exists Little Green Men other places. I kind of doubt that. But I do believe that the information we have indicates we should do a lot more study. Now, he's a Nevada Democrat, and he said, We have hundreds and hundreds of people that have seen the same thing. Something is in the sky. It moves a certain way. He goes on to say, I'm going to have, to call, I'm going to have a call with a member of the Senate in an hour or two where we have people in the military who want to come and tell somebody what they've seen. Now he decide, Now he declined to identify who that senator is, but they have a couple of theories in the article. And he says, what we found in the past is that, is that these pilots, when they see something strange like this, they're prone not to report it for fear that the bosses will think something's wrong with them and they don't get the promotion. He said so many, many, many times they don't say a word to anybody about these strange things. The facts are they need a place to be able to report this And that's what I'm going to work on in a couple of hours to make sure that that somebody I think's a powerful member in Congress, I want him to be able to sit down and talk to some of these pilots who have seen these things. I can arrange this because of the context I have with the members of Congress. So all in all, that's great news. All in all, all these stories are great news for the UFO community. We have more reports coming in, which is always a good thing and always surprising because Nobody looks up anymore. We also have a former Senate majority leader who is trying to work with Congress to give people a safe place to report it, especially military people. The people who have seen the most and probably have some of the best stories but are afraid to tell them. All right, one final story before we get to tonight's topic, and this one is not about UFOs. It's sort of about Bigfoot. Bigfoot found... Nah, just a statue with with glowing red eyes in North Carolina. The story's about an animal shelter in North Carolina who is alerting residents to stop calling Animal Control to report sightings of Bigfoot, saying it's actually just an eight-foot-tall wooden statue with eyes that appear to glow at night. If you see this phenomena, you do not need to call Animal Control because it is not Sasquatch or any other large creature. Now, they do have a photo of this Bigfoot statue. And I got to say, if you see this photo, maybe if you're going 70 miles per hour down the street, down the road, and you see this out of the corner of your eyes, yeah, it's kind of startling. But if you actually stopped and looked at this, especially in the daylight, it is very obviously a Bigfoot statue, not a real Bigfoot. The shelter said that statue is on is one of several that sit on the private property in Statesville, which is more than 40 miles north of Charlotte in North Carolina. For years, people have reported sightings of the mythical creature, which mostly have been debunked. And then it goes on to talk about some other Bigfoot sightings, and it keeps saying that Bigfoot's not real. Bigfoot's real. By the way, don't fucking shoot Bigfoot. Don't even fucking shoot the Bigfoot statue. It's cool. Leave it be. All right. With that, I only have one more thing to say. You guys really should be watching Project Blue Book. It is a great show. I'd love to hear what you guys think about it. I think it's fantastic. It follows Jay Allen Hynek, who, if you've listened to these episodes, you know who he is. And it has it's based on real stories from Project Blue Book. It's the stuff that I talk about on here that hopefully you guys want to hear. Now, since I brought it up, let me be very clear about something. When I talk about, of course, Jay Allen Hynek showed up, and of course, a weak explanation is made by the government... I am not bagging on J. Allen Hynek. I really think he was coerced into coming up with explanations to stop all the UFO reports coming in. Now, I think he did a great job at investigating, and I truly believe that if he wasn't working for the government, if he was independent, he would have been influential in disclosure. Of course he shows up to all these reports back in the day. He was the one leading the cause investigating UFO reports. Okay, with that, let's go to Wales. Broadhaven and Little Haven in Pembrokeshire, West Wales. Now, if you're a regular listener, you won't be surprised by the fact that a UFO sighting here led this area to be known as, quote, the Dyfed Triangle. It was either going to be named that or the Wales Roswell because anything that happens, they always go to, it was the Roswell of this. It was the triangle of that. It's all crap. It's always one of the two. So let's go to February 5th, 1977, when, just like the Australian story from last edition, a group of schoolchildren were playing outside their school when they noticed something. A silver, cigar, or saucer-shaped UFO was spotted landed on the ground in a field near the school. Now I say either because there is some discrepancy as to what shape it was, But I will say based on the drawings and the majority of the sightings, it appeared to be saucer shaped. I just wanted to include the cigar shape because some reports do have it as do have it listed as cigar shaped. Anyhow, just outside the craft was a silver suited spaceman. And that's in quotes. A bunch of the students ran inside and told their teachers what they saw. But the teachers didn't believe them. And they told them to all come in and quiet down and continue with the day's lessons. Now, after school, the students again were talking about what they had seen earlier in the day. They had told other kids, they had told their parents, basically anybody that would listen. Now, depending on where you get your information, the students or the parents went to the local police and asked that this be investigated. And when the police asked the teacher about it, the principal decided to talk with the students the next day. However it led to the principal talking to the students the next day, whoever reported it, It does seem like, yes, the police were involved. Yes, they did talk to teachers, and they did have the principal talk to the students. Now, after the principal listened to the kids' stories, he asked all the kids involved in the incident to draw what they had seen. And not surprisingly, he was shocked that the drawings were basically all showing a saucer-shaped UFO with a dome on top. The craft was described as being silver and cigar-shaped with a dome covering the middle third. By a 10-year-old pupil, David Davies. Now again, there is some discrepancy between the shapes of it, but it also depends on where the students were when they witnessed it. Were they to the side? Were they head on? Some kids are going to just see the shape and just think, okay, it's cigar shaped when it's actually a full saucer, but they didn't see the full saucer part. So even with that, I have to say that the drawings are amazing. And again, I'll post the drawings on the Facebook page. You guys have to take a look at them. They're drawings of a UFO just like you would expect 10-year-olds to draw. But these are the ones that they saw. This was the UFO that they saw when they were asked to do these drawings. Okay, let me pause right here to say that this made the news. Everyone in the area basically had heard what the kids saw. And this will be important in a minute, okay? Just remember that. But let's move to February 17th. So 12 days later, when a few teachers, and they say, and dinner ladies, I don't know what dinner ladies at the school are. Maybe they're just like lunch ladies. But a few teachers and dinner ladies at the school also claim to have seen the craft, with one saying she saw the creature too. Okay, so now we have adults seeing a UFO. Then on April 19th, the owner of the Havenfort Hotel in nearby Little Haven claimed to have seen a UFO in a field with two human-like creatures. The owner, Rosa Granville, described it as, quote, an upside-down saucer. She said it was radiating so much heat that her face felt burnt. Now, Rosa also said she witnessed two, quote, faceless humanoid creatures with pointed heads who didn't seem to mind the heat. She said there was light coming from the craft and flames of all colors, When they came out of these flames, that's what I don't understand. That's what she said, by the way. So yeah, it's a bizarre UFO encounter for sure. Take it with a grain of salt for sure. But Lieutenant Cohen, an officer from the RAF examined the site near Mrs. Granville's near Ms. Granville's hotel, but could find no evidence of a landing. He reported that, quote, a local prankster was at work and noted that the description of the aliens fit exactly the type of protection suit that would have been issued in the event of a fire at one of the local oil refineries. Okay, here's why I mentioned all the news and everyone knowing it, because depending on where you get your information from about this story, some sites say it was all debunked, because in 1996, local resident Glyn Edwards Admitted to donning a silver suit and wandering around the area in 1977 as a prank. But can't explain the UFO at all. Now, I really don't buy this. I can see that, yeah, maybe a couple of these were him walking around in a silver suit. But not all these sightings, and not the sightings where they're up against a UFO. For extended periods of time. Now, I don't buy that one, and another debunk I don't buy... Is that the school children just saw a sewage tanker and thought it was a ufo now this doesn't make any sense either because a none of the drawings look like a tanker truck there weren't wheels in any of the drawings there was no cab of the truck in any of the drawings and how come no known trucks were in the area around the time also how come adults saw this ufo surely they know what a tanker truck looks like and these kids were from mostly farming areas and had said to know exactly what those tanker trucks looked like, and this wasn't that. They said this was a UFO. We weren't seeing these tanker trucks. Okay, so where's the typical government cover-up stories you might be asking? It's, it's that time. We need some BS government cover story. Well, here you go. A former U.S. Navy sailor said the silver-suited humanoid was in fact a member of a U.S. military personnel wearing their standard fireproof uniform, and the UFOs were new Harrier jets flying over and nothing more. Do you see the problem with this one? Flying over and nothing more. Well, three people saw them landed and nothing more. Not just flying over. It doesn't make any sense. Why would, military, why would the U.S. military personnel wear standard fireproof uniforms outside of a landed Harrier jet in the fields by a school? And how come we can't find any reports of these quote-unquote new Harrier jets flying in the area at that time? It doesn't add up. Now, this didn't end with the students and teachers, because throughout that year, the sightings kept coming, including this one. The Coombs family, it says Coombs, it's C-O-O-M-B-S. So I don't know if it's Coombs or Combs, I apologize. Well, the Coombs family, as I'm going to call them, were employed at the Ripperston Farm. So again, they would know what a tanker truck looks like. And this family had a number of UFO experiences. They spotted UFOs from their car fairly nearby too. They even saw a quote, seven foot silver suited being with a black visor appearing outside their their house window. Now, that one could be the hoax guy, but the Coombs family had constant mechanical disturbances, including their car and television set repeatedly breaking down and having to be replaced, and their cows seemingly being teleported from one field to another. Although I got to say, this is almost a throwaway side story and no more details are out there. So I don't know about this one, but I wanted to add it to it because it was included with the numerous reports that they had throughout the year. Regardless, it seems like a whole lot of people saw UFOs in that area during the time. And whether you believe half of them, you know, you don't have to believe the Coombs story. You don't have to believe the, uh, you don't have to believe Rosa Granville There's a couple of really odd stories in there, but the students and the teachers all seeing the same thing on two different occasions leads me to believe there was something to this one. And the numerous reports after that and around that time just kind of concretes it for me. Okay, from here, let's go all the way to Zimbabwe for another school UFO encounter. Hint, these will all be school UFO encounters. Now this one is a very well-known one and it takes place relatively recently. It took place on September 16th, 1994. So about 20 years after the Broadhaven incident, teachers and school officials at the aerial school in Ruwa, Zimbabwe, were shocked when 60 students reported that a flying object had landed on the school grounds. This one sounds remarkably like the one that happened in Australia. It is crazy the details, how close they match, but how different they are. The students were aged five through 12. And just like all of these stories, they were outside during recess playing when they noticed the UFO. Now, Ariel Elementary School is a private primary school located in Rua, R-U-W-A. I apologize if I'm not saying that right. It's a small town in East Zimbabwe. All of these students said they witnessed three silver balls high in the sky. These balls didn't make any noise and seemed to pop on and off. After appearing and a disappearing three times, the UFOs made their way closer towards the school, and according to one witness, the UFOs followed a line of electricity pylons to the school. When they got closer, they either landed or some say hovered close to the ground in a tree-filled area. You know, it was thick, with brushy thorn bushes, and bamboo as well, and supposedly filled with poisonous animals and insects, so it was completely off limits to the students and the school in general. The encounter lasted for about 15 minutes before the craft just took off at high speed. All the children told the same basic story when questioned at the time of the incident and all of the years since. They all say the UFOs came down about 100 meters, 300 or so feet, in case you needed that, from where the children were gathered at the playground's edge. A small man or men, depending on which eyewitness you talk to, about a meter in height with a scrawny neck, large bulging eyes, pale skin, long hair, and dressed in a shiny, tight-fitting black suit apparently appeared on the top of the object, then on the ground, then behind the object. And it doesn't sound like it was, you know, teleporting or just going from here to here to here. It's just they witnessed it there, then they witnessed him get down, and then he was behind the object. Now soon after, the object lifted off at a high speed and disappeared. So again, besides the little bizarre alien description, this one sounds exactly like every other UFO encounter at a school. Once the UFOs took off, some of the younger students, apparently believing they were going to be eaten, ran into the school frightened and shouting for help to the only adult in the area at the time. And that adult happened to be a mother of one of the students and operator of the school's tuck shop, which is apparently the place where they get sweets. So she thought the kids were trying to con her away from the candy to get the sweets. So she refused to leave her spot and she never saw the UFO. Now, the older students who were still outside, they had a different take about the creature or the creature or whatever. And that's what, and that is this creature or creatures telepathically told the students That humans were destroying the planet, polluting the environment, and there would be dire consequences. One of them stated that she received a message from the beings that we are not, quote, taking proper care of the planet. While it was an opinion of another student that they want people to know that we're actually making harm on this world. And her quote is that we're actually making harm on this world and mustn't get too technologed. I can't say they're wrong. The aliens are definitely not wrong. We are fucking up this world. We are messing up this world. So they're right. They're 100% right. One of the other kids said that I swear by every hair on my head and the whole Bible that I am telling the truth. And she went on to describe the UFOs just like all the other students did. So now we have aliens giving us dire warnings that we're messing up this planet in 1994 I wonder what those aliens are going to say nowadays when it's even worse. But back to the story. Now, the headmaster of the school, Mr. Mackey, who says he's a non-believer in UFOs, said he believed the children were telling the truth and had seen what they had said they saw. Now, according to some sources, and again, take this with a grain of salt, UFOs were seen in the sky over Zimbabwe for two days prior to the alleged encounter. But I couldn't find a ton of information about it, so... You know, whatever. I don't know if it's true or not. Now, there are a couple of eyewitness testimonies taken years after their experience. At 10 a.m., Hind writes, On a hot day, the children were let out for a mid-morning break. They were drawn to an area behind their playing field of, quote, Long grass with thorn and other indigenous bushes and trees growing higgadly piggledy fashion, higgadly piggledy fashioned and undergrowth thick and heavy enough to hide a child should he venture there. The teachers had all entered the staff room for a meeting, and only the, out- and the only adult outdoors was the tuck shop mistress, who was soon swamped by children, claiming that they had seen, quote, three or four objects coming into the rough bush area, disc-like objects coming in along the power lines, and finally landing in the rough among the trees. The children were a bit afraid although they were also curious. Now, the story goes on to say that uh, the all the children are from wealthy families. Uh, the tuition at Aerial school is very expensive. And Hind believed that their cultural differences gave rise to different interpretations of the event. And that the differences in interpretations made the details that were common to all accounts very compelling indeed. He goes on to say that one of the white students thought at first that the little man in black might have been Mrs. Stevens' gardener. But then he saw the figure had long, straight black hair, not really like a black person's hair, so he had realized he had made a mistake. Some of the black children thought that they were short little beings were Zivikwambo, or tokoloshes, which are evil goblins of Shona and other folklore and burst into tears, fearing that they would be eaten, like I said. Now he goes on to say, I could see the little man, about a meter tall, was dressed in black, shiny suit, that he had long black hair, and his eyes, which seemed lower on the cheek than our eyes, were large and elongated. The mouth was just a slit, and the ears were hardly discernible. What a frightening indicament of our society that we are confronted by something we don't understand, we don't even attempt to open our minds at the event. So two for two, kids being outside, playing, and seeing UFOs landing, besides the one from last week. Two for two on this one. With that, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more school UFO encounters. Welcome back. Next up, let's go to the Upton Primary School in Macclesfield, England. This one happened in October 1977, when at 2.45 p.m., Ten students, aged seven to eleven, saw an elliptical UFO hovering in trees beside the playground of Upton Primary School. Now this UFO rose into the sky and vanished, and I can't find out how long this encounter took place for. It doesn't really, the details on this one are very slim to none. It says that the kids saw this thing, it was hovering by the trees, and then it just took off and vanished. Now, just like the others, the kids went inside and told their teacher, Mrs. Hindmarsh, or Hindmarsh, and she immediately asked the children to draw what they had seen, separating them to ensure that no copying took place. She since went on to say she was shocked to see how similar all the drawings were and handed them over to the police and told them what had happened. The police investigated the incident and made a police report that held all of the drawings, they contacted the nearby airport, and they confirmed there was nothing in that area that was unusual, and there was nothing that was detected on their radar that shouldn't be there. The official explanation for this one was misidentified aircraft, even though the police had already confirmed there was no aircraft in that area, so BS to that explanation too. Now, like I say, this one, there's not a ton of information, which, again... It's 1977. There's a good chance these kids are still alive. Where is the more information? Why haven't these kids stepped forward? It's 10 kids. Why haven't they stepped forward to tell the world what they see? So if you're listening to this and you happen to be one of those kids from the Upton Primary School in October 1977, and you saw the UFOs, please get in contact with me. I would love to talk to you. As long as you can prove that you were a student in Upton Primary School in 1977. Okay, from there, let's move to Hillsdale College. Now, this one, I almost kept for just the patrons. I'll be honest, I really thought about this, making making this one just a patron-only episode, but it's a good story. I want everyone to hear it, and because it's local to me, where I grew up, I figured, why not tell the story? Okay, on March 21st, 1966, a young girl at Hillsdale College in Michigan, yay Michigan, was leaving her dorm when she saw a large glowing object hovering above the campus. She called the police, and an officer named William Van Horn showed up. Now, she wasn't alone in the sighting either, though, because roughly 100 students also witnessed the UFO. The glowing object began to move toward a nearby swamp, spoiler, swamp will be mentioned again coming up shortly and then quickly flew up and out of sight. Several women living in the McIntyre resident of the college noticed unusually bright lights floating over the Slayton Arboretum around 10.30 p.m. and reported that too. In an account written three days later for the Collegian, Gidget Cone described the event as a UFO encounter. She said, I ran to my window and there it was, radiating intense silver white light and heading directly for the dorm. A brief flash of lightning illuminated it just for a second, and in that second, I saw what appeared to be a squashed football or basketball. Now, again, these women in McIntyre weren't the only ones to report the UFO. Harold Hess, who was a Hillsdale police officer at the time, was parked in a lot on West Carlton Road with his partner Jerry Wise. At some point in the night, the two noticed an almost blinding light hovering somewhere over the college. When they started to drive around the campus to investigate, they discovered the same UFO that the rest of the people had already talked about over the Arboretum. Now this same guy in 2015 talked to the Collegian and he said it wasn't a chopper. There was no humming. I took my weapon out. Jerry told me to put it back. Whatever it is, I don't think it'll be bothered one bit at what you've got at your side. Then Hess said the light split into two and went in opposite directions. This action damaged the equipment in the patrol car so that when they turned the, uh, radio on, they only got static. He says it's one of those things that runs your hair up the back of your neck just thinking about it. Now, just days after this, more people, even more people, I should say, saw objects in the sky in the nearby towns of Ann Arbor, Dexter, and Battle Creek. Now, again, not surprisingly, this made the national news. Then guess what happened? A representative from the U.S. Air Force named... Can you guess who? That's right, Dr. J. Allen Hynek showed up to investigate the incidents on March 23rd. Now, what he found is what he called, quote, near hysteria. It's like reports from people who witness a fire, he said at the time. You get as many different facts as you get people who saw the fire. So far, all I've been able to come up with is reports of a variety of lights. Now, he said at a press conference at the time... There was no evidence of any UFOs and theorized that what the students saw was a combination of stars and, here we go, the ever-popular burning swamp gas. Now, Hynek's swamp gas explanation prompted then-Michigan Congressman Gerald Ford, who was going to be future president Gerald Ford, to get involved. He said that after receiving numerous letters from residents who claimed to have seen the UFOs, Ford looked into the matter himself and decided this deserved the federal government's attention. Congressman Ford petitioned Congress to commission the Air Force to officially investigate the Michigan UFOs. The Air Force then delegated this investigation to the University of Colorado, which, after several years of study, came up with negative results. So this actually made it possible for the Air Force to close down Project Blue Book. Heinick went on to test the soil near the swamps where the students claimed the UFO had landed and he did find something. He said the dirt contained abnormally high amounts of radiation as well as boron which is an element used for nuclear energy. So Dr. Heinick changed his stupid swamp gas, swamp gas explanation to quote, it must have been a prank with fireworks from the college boys which is an even dumber possible explanation than swamp gas in my opinion. Now, again, I'm not blaming J. Allen Hynek. He was told to debunk these things. He was told time and again, UFOs don't exist, and that story better get out. So when I say that this is a stupid explanation, I do not blame Dr. J. Allen Hynek. I blame the government trying to cover up obvious UFO incidents like this, where hundreds of people from all over the area independently witnessed things that are not fireworks from college boys. Okay, let's continue. The local paper wrote about it saying, quote, Hillsdale resident probe area skies in search of UFO traffic. So even they didn't believe either of these stupid explanations. Then on Sunday, March 20th, 1966, the sheriff's office received reports of a UFO landing in a wooded swamp area of Dexter Township. Police spoke to Frank Manor or Manor, I'm going to say Manner. Frank Manor, a truck driver who had gone into the swamp with his son. Manner said, "We got to about 500 yards of the thing. It was sort of shaped like a pyramid with a blue-green light on the right side and on the left a white light. I didn't see no antenna or porthole. The body was a yellowish coral rock and looked like it had holes in it." Sort of like if you took a piece of cardboard box and split it open. I have no idea what that means. He goes on to say, You couldn't see it too good because it was surrounded with heat waves, like you see on the desert. The white light turned to a blood red as we got close to it, and Ron said, Look at that horrible thing. Now here's the NICAP report of that same incident. Frank Manor and his son, Ronald, plus 40 to 60 others, including 12 policemen, saw hovering over a swamp about 1,500 feet away a brown, luminous, car-sized object with a scaly or waffle surface. It was cone-shaped on top, flat on bottom, or football-shaped, which doesn't match that description at all, and two bluish-green lights on the right and left edges that turned bright red and helped illuminate the object in between. The lights blinked out, and object reappeared instantly across the swamp 1,500 feet away. The whole object lit up with a yellowish glow at one point, and also rose up 500 feet, then descended again. After two to three minutes of viewing, when two flashlights appearing in the distance, the object seemed to respond by flying away at a high speed directly over the witnesses with a whistling sound like a rifle bullet ricocheting. The object remained in the swamp area for a half an hour. The report obviously gained national attention, and more than 40 officers joined a search of the swamp. Now here's the weird thing, the odd sightings continued, officers spotted the red and white lights in the sky flying back and forth and then disappearing. From there, let's jump ahead to 30 years later. Same story, 30 years later. Douglas Harvey, who was a Washtenaw County Sheriff at the time of the original sightings, told the Ann Arbor News that he and Dr. Heinick were talking in the Sheriff's Office and the scientist admitted he didn't know what the witnesses had seen, but he felt it was worthy of further investigation. That right there is another reason why I trust Dr. Allen Hynek, Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Off the records, he admitted he didn't know what the witnesses had seen, and he said felt it was worthy of further investigation. Now, this guy Harvey goes on to say, he was on the phone for quite a while, which I found very enlightening. He came out, and and I said, well, Dr. Hynek, what do you think? He said, it's swamp gas. He tells me one minute he has no idea what it is. Then he makes one phone call to Washington and comes out and gives a statement that it's swamp gas. Very strange. They did see something. I'll believe to this day, I'll believe to the day I die, somebody has kept something quiet and nothing more ever materialized. So we don't know if it was the government experimenting or if it was really a UFO. I don't know. That is directly from a former Washtenaw County sheriff who was there in the room, or next to the room when Jay Allen Hynek walked into the other room to make the call, but who spoke with Dr. J. Allen Hynek, who one minute was convinced he didn't know anything after talking to Washington. It was swamp gas. So that one is one of my favorite UFO stories. Again, it's close to home, but not only that, it's a great story. Tons of witnesses. Project Blue Book was involved. Local sheriff's offices were involved and they're still talking about it to this day and all say it wasn't swamp gas. Some very bizarre NICAP reports in there that some of the details are bizarre, like really bizarre. But that's a UFO. Whatever that thing was, that is a UFO for all intents and purposes. Not swamp gas, not college frat boy fireworks. Okay. Okay. These next two are quick, taken with a grain of salt. The only reason I'm keeping them is they they fit the basic parameters of this edition. And the times they happen do correspond to other UFO sightings in the areas at the time. Here we go. Elder Park Primary, 1952, Glasgow, Scotland. Joan Torrance was walking home with her friends from Elder Park Primary School. It was just after 4 p.m. It was the early summer. And the reason I bring that up is because the sun being high in the sky is important to this one. So Joan had just made it across the playground of the school when the sky suddenly went dark, like eclipse dark. Joan turned around to look back at the school and she saw a saucer or sombrero shaped silver saucer hanging above the building. It was so large that it blocked the sunlight. Now, it wasn't just her and this friend that saw it, though. The janitor and one teacher came outside and stared up at the UFO, too. The UFO was rotating silently, and as quickly as it showed up, it took off again in an instant, straight up. When she got home, she told her mother about what happened, but the mother didn't believe it. And I can't find anything about the janitor or the teacher's account, sadly. No one else seems to be talking about this one, and it is getting... It is from the 50s, so it is getting to that point where we might not be able to... uh, Those witnesses might not be around anymore. Janitors or teachers in 1952, sadly, just might not be around anymore. Next up, Greenock Elementary School. 1948, nine-year-old Linda was walking home from school for her lunch break with a friend in Greenock, Scotland. They both heard a strange buzzing noise and look up to see multiple flying saucers in the air. The UFOs were flying so low that the girls said that they could see the occupants inside. They said that they could see the shapes, but not the physical features. So, ready for this? The girls started waving at the UFOs, jumping up and down, trying to get their attention, and according to them, the aliens waved back. Linda reports that the UFOs continued to follow them on their walk home, as if they were being observed, then flew away and disappeared. So there's two things about this one. It's 1948, so UFO stories aren't that common yet. Now, this wasn't something that was made up by kids at the time, and also surprisingly, there were other UFO reports from that area at the time. So, honestly, who's to say? Maybe they did get a flyby by UFOs while the aliens waved to the kids. I don't know. Okay, one last story for you guys. This next one happened in Miami, Florida at Crestview Elementary School in 1967. Now this was April 6th, 1967 exactly, when a 4th grade student named Jonathan while out during recess saw a UFO hovering over a nearby field. This silver saucer slowly spun around and it was silent as it hovered. The teacher assigned to bring all the students in from recess saw Jonathan looking at something and Jonathan pointed at it and said, what is that? Now at this point, the only ones left outside were Jonathan and Mr. Aptful, the teacher. Now they stood there and watched the UFO when all of a sudden it vanished in a sudden white light. Both were startled, but eventually went back in, acting way too, way too calm as far as I'm concerned. So they walked back in, then, like a couple of the other stories, the sightings continued. The next day it returned with two more UFOs, And it wasn't just Jonathan and Mr. Apfel this time. Over 100 children and teachers were outside while the students were playing at recess when three oval-shaped flying saucers appeared overhead. One of the UFOs was as big as a cruise ship and the other two were much smaller. Now this time, the responses were what I would expect. Complete mayhem. The students ran towards the UFOs and the teachers panicked. The big ship landed in a field near the school And the other two ships disappeared from view. The teachers, surprisingly to me anyway, shouted for the children to go home, to run home immediately. Now this is 1967, height of the Cold War. Maybe they thought this was the war. Maybe they thought this was the end. The Russians or whoever were attacking us. But for whatever reason, the teachers just told the students, run home. And get this, most kids did that. They ran home. Other students, though, jumped on their bikes and rode towards the field and the UFO. Now, sadly, when they got to where the UFO was, the field they found the field was burnt and the grass was pressed down as if something big had landed there, but the UFO was gone. Like the other stories, word got out. Next day, the reporters and the military were in the area talking to the students. Now, here's where it gets, well, not weird. Here's where it gets weirder. Some of the student eyewitnesses later on talked about what they saw While they were against that fence just yards from the landing ufo before the teachers told them to run home now these kids said quote it began to move and would shoot forward into the trees which overlooked the schoolyard however instead of crashing into them and sending damaged branches into the air and to the ground it simply vanished as if an unseen portal or gateway had swallowed it they go on to say that they stared in disbelief they let out a collective gasp when the object returned in a flash Now again, as if it was appearing and disappearing out of the trees. There was no damage to speak of. The trees were fine. The UFO was fine. And after several more seconds, the object vanished from sight in another flash of light. So almost as if this one was interdimensional or able to phase through solid objects. Not surprisingly, the military interviewed everyone and their official report... Three helicopters buzzed the school and scared the teachers and students, nothing more. Does that sound like the eyewitness testimony, even remotely? Nope. If there were three helicopters buzzing the school, the teachers, sure, might have panicked and said, go home, we don't know why the helicopters are here, they're way too close to the school. But, the teachers wouldn't say UFOs, they would say helicopters. They know what a helicopter looks like, it's 1967 for God's sake. Okay, so here's some of the eyewitness testimony that has since come out about this incident. They would state of seeing, quote, three oval-shaped objects coming through the clouds on a clear day. According to the witnesses, two smaller objects were dancing around the larger craft. The larger object appeared to be made from shiny metal and was around the size of a cruise ship. The witness would also state the object would land briefly in a nearby field. They would later ride their bikes to the area, like I said, and find the ground charred and smashed in the shape of the object. They would also remember, quote, men in uniforms arriving at the school later that day. So again, there was another UFO experience that lasted for a while with hundreds of eyewitnesses that was brushed off as some BS lame military cover story that doesn't even make sense. They're not even trying with these cover stories. Yet, officially, according to the military, it was three helicopters. I don't buy it. Hopefully you guys don't buy it either, but I don't buy it. Now you might be asking, why isn't this happening anymore? Well, I'm going to go back to my argument for current day, fewer UFO sightings. Even though at the beginning of this episode, I told you there were hundreds of sightings still happening to this day. The reason I personally, me, Kurt, the reason I think there are slightly fewer UFO sightings is just go outside Wherever you are, go outside, look around. If it's daytime, if it's nighttime, you're not going to see much. But go outside and look around. Everyone, and I mean everyone, have their faces buried in cell phones. Kids especially. So my bet is, recess is the only time kids are allowed to play with their cell phones during school so their faces aren't up and looking around, but down and stuck in their cell phones not looking anywhere else, but their cell phones. And to me personally, I think across the board, not just kids, adults, everyone, we all have our faces in our cell phones and not looking around anymore. And because of that, we're missing out on some amazing things, including UFOs. What do you guys think? Do you guys think that students should be believed more than teachers? Because I personally do. I don't think there's much in it for them, especially not back in the day, there's not much in it for them to tell tales, especially when hundreds of students are seeing the exact same thing. I personally love these school UFO stories. They just ring truer to me. The kids don't know what they're talking about, they don't know what they're looking at, but they're honest. They describe the things that they see. They don't try to figure out what they saw like a like if a parent saw it and they said, "Well, I guess it might have been, you know, the B-2 bomber. Not that the B-2 bomber was in any of these stories, but you know what I mean. Parents might try to connect the dots as to what they're seeing where these kids don't have a clue what they're seeing. So when they draw it, they're drawing exactly what they saw. And again, to me, I personally think it rings truer and I believe these stories. Not surprisingly, there are many more stories like this. In fact, the last episode I did, the Westall one from uh, Australia, I've actually got in contact with two of the people who were there and they want to tell their story. So fingers crossed, they'll let me Skype interview them or call them or whatever and interview them for Paranormal Almanac. And I'm excited to do it. I want to talk to eyewitnesses. I want to hear what people are seeing directly from them. So if you have a true UFO story, I want to hear it. If you have a true ghost story, I want to hear it. If you want me to interview you, I would love to. If you want to send me your story and I'll read it on air, I would love to. I want to talk to the people who are seeing the things that I want to see. They're seeing the ghosts. They're seeing the UFOs. They're seeing the aliens. These are the things I want to see and I want to talk about. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. I refuse to see on it. I'll use food. That's